All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Until then, adios. Conversations from the Dark Side. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to another season of Conversations from the Dark Side. I'm your good buddy, your good pal, Amigo Aaron. Joined, as always, by the mysterious man from way out west. Just here in the nick of time, it's Rob Flack O'Hara. There's nothing like, uh, you know, when we say we're going live, It's and, and live, that's a term, I mean... Kind of the live, kind of the the dead, kind of the undead. Who knows what's going to happen tonight? We've already got some uh, spooks and some ghosts in the hardware, so we'll see what happens tonight. But I feel like uh, like we could be tempting fate. We start talking about the unknown, and all of a sudden, uh, the unknown presents itself in our hardware. Ooh. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I feel like the show's a complete success. The second I can hear you talk just now, I was like, yes, we're in. <laughs> it's never I felt easy. the same way. <laughs> it's never it's never easy, Flack. So, hey, thanks everybody for tuning back in. It's October, and around these parts, October means one thing: we we dig conversations with dark side up out of the dirt. We drag that corpse, we pose it in front of a camera, and then we go for it uh, for uh, a few weeks of scary Halloweenish type fun. Uh, we if you haven't seen our show before, we like to pick a topic. And then we just talk about that topic. We talk about, sometimes we have people on, sometimes we talk about the chat, sometimes we have messages sent in, and sometimes we just talk about it amongst ourselves. We're going to do a little bit of all those things tonight. Uh, but the conversation we're going to have this evening is made for TV horror. These are, I, I thought to myself, what doesn't get talked about that much uh, in the realm of scary stuff and horror? And one of the things I'm, I've always been irritated by is, like, there's not a ton of coverage for, like, some of the more wacky, some of the more interesting, some of the more chilling classic television shows and TV movies that uh, that came out. And, of course, you got to think, throughout the history of television, until fairly recently, unless you had a pay channel, most of what you had to deal with uh, when it came to TV horror was pretty... Uh, uh, neutered or 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 sedate compared to its cinema counterpart, but I think you may find that if you nose around, you can find some real uh, hidden gems amongst the television offerings uh, that were released. Gosh, I mean, if, me and Flack are old. I mean, do you remember sitting around your house as a kid uh, looking for this sort of fair back in the day, Flack? Well, I don't know that I went looking for it, but I would say, and not to sound coy, but that it found me because, um, you know, as a kid, I think uh, if you take yourself back to when we were youngsters, of course, uh, when I was really young, I didn't have uh, cable in my room. Like we had cable, but it only went to one TV. It went to the <laughs> living room. So yes. I, I had a, uh, you know, uh, 11, I don't know what it was, 11, 12 inch black and white tv was my first tv me too and you had yeah you had your, your normal channels you had your uh, abc nbc cbs but then you went on the other dial and you had your uhf channels here that was uh, 25 34 and later channel 43 and so at night 
you know, especially with the main channels, that was your your grown up stuff. You know, they were showing your normal uh, TV shows, the news, and things like that. But on UHF, you know, that's where you got. Um, I mean, of course, uh, some stuff like. I mean, that was my introduction to you know not just not just things like you know that was where you got Benny Hill. That was where you got. Uh, three Stooges, but sometimes you'd stay on a little too late and all of a sudden you got some Outer Limits or you got some Twilight Zone and you got these things and and you would go, what what is this? I don't I don't understand as a kid how old is this or how, but it it was like you it was like somebody uh, you know I, I would compare it to as a child um, like like the generation before us of the kids that would sit around the radio. And they would, you know, stay up too late and they would hear these old radio shows that would be haunted, you know, things like that. It was like that. It was like, I don't know that it was, it wasn't marketed towards our age group, but if you were the kid that stayed up a little too late or stayed up on the weekends, that stuff was out there. And, uh, you know, you would just kind of watch the shows you liked and it would drift into these other things. So that's how I found a lot of this stuff as a kid was just staying up a little too late, leaving the TV, you know, sleeping with the TV on and waking up and going, what the heck is this? What's going on here? You know, it's funny. You mentioned uh, your eye, you know, we didn't have UHF stations, that came we had i think we had one that we could get it was it was like public broadcasting so we didn't we weren't lucky the mountains screw us on that uh but <laughs> uh, uh I, i'm very much like you i mean if if network stayed on all night you got a, a weird mismatch of weird old horror movies and crazy old science fiction movies and so that's where you saw a lot of that stuff you mentioned uh, uh, the old radio broadcast. I, I could do a whole show. It'd be a very boring show because it would be very visual. I could do a whole show on classic radio horror. It's funny because it ties into television horror quite a bit. It, you know, horror on radio was uh, a well-defined, well-supported genre, just like it was in comic books uh, of the time. Old EC Comics back in the day, like horror comics were your main comics for a long time until they got neutered by uh, uh, people that went in and made them change the way they did them, toned down the violence and stuff. The comic code came in, but radio shows uh, absolutely were were there were tons and tons of horror based uh, radio shows that sort of led the way. In fact, some of them made the transition on the television. Uh, like Suspense is a good example of a show that came from radio to television. So, and a lot of the people that were in the older shows, the anthology shows, for example, had got their cut their teeth in the classic radio show genre. So, there's definitely a connection there. Um, I told Flack when we we drum, when we dreamed this up, I said what we'll do uh, is just list a bunch of stuff uh, that comes to mind. Maybe write down some of the spookier episodes uh, we found, and we just sort of dig into them. I think that's probably the best way to go. Uh, you know, uh, Flack, you mentioned one to me uh, that I had. It's funny when you mentioned it, I had I didn't remember it, but I actually had seen this before, and it, and you could talk a little bit about it. It was a little uh, thing called the Trilogy of Terror. It's funny how I came across it. We were talking about it because when I was getting a little highlight reel together for this show, I came across a segment uh, previewed on uh, TV, that, and they kept pushing Karen Black was in this. He's a major Hollywood star, Karen Black. And then, ironically, as we were talking, you sort of touched on it, and it was the exact same thing. What's the scoop on that, Flack? <clears throat> um, well, Trilogy of Terror aired in 1975. Um 
Uh, it was a made-for-TV movie. If you're watching this stream live right now, you can see uh, some clips of this thing coming up. Now, it was uh, a three-part um, uh, anthology. There were three parts to the anthology. Uh, the first one is about a college-age student who comes walk. He goes walking in, and this teacher comes walking by. And he says, I wonder what she looks like under those clothes, you know, like real kind of like that. And so he goes through this whole thing where he is basically uh, trying to seduce the teacher and take her on a date. Um, and he even um, uh, he does take her on a date and he drugs her. He gives her like a drug to pass her, you know, where she passes out and he takes a bunch of lewd photos of her and he develops the photos and she keeps pushing. She's very much. Uh, on the defense the whole time. She's like, I don't know. I probably shouldn't date a student. Uh, we probably shouldn't go on a date. Then he takes these pictures and she says, well, you know, uh, I never, you know. And he, he blackmails her with the pictures. He says, hey, um, uh, now you're going to be my girlfriend because I got these pictures, you know. And, and he says, don't worry. You can, you can keep the photos. <laughs> I've got the negatives, you know. That's a basis and, for a good relationship right there. Blackmail. It, right. And um, uh, and then at, as it kind of towards into the third act, she comes in and she says, well, this little game is over. And he goes, hey, it ain't over till I say it's over. And she says, no, actually, I've been in control the whole time. And he says, I don't think so. And she says, don't you ever wonder why when I walked by the first time you thought, what I would look like under those clothes, which is like an actual voiceover that he said at the time, you know, and he goes, huh? <laughs> like that, you know? And she says, yes, I have this power and I do this every now. And then, so you kind of realize she's like a black widow. Uh, and, she, and so she has been in control the whole time and he's drinking this thing. And, and then he starts choking. He goes, uh, you've poisoned me. And she goes, no, I've killed you. Oh my! <laughs> and, he, and he goes, ah, you know. And then at the at the very end, there's a knock at the door, uh, and it's another young a student, you know, another one of her students from the college. And he goes, "Hey, um, do you do private tutoring?" And she goes, "Oh, I think we'll be such friends," you know. So that I mean, that's the first one. And is it horror? Yeah. But it's not scary horror. You know what I mean? It's kind of that psychological, like, uh, you know, that sort of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. The second one is is uh, similar. The second one is more psychological uh, horror, and it's about these two sisters, and one of them's real mean, and the other one's pretty nice. Um, and there's a psychologist that's seeing both sisters, and uh, <laughs> that's a lot of bad relationship advice in this episode. That's for sure. Yeah. And <laughs> he, he's not seeing them. He's not dating them. I should say he's like, as a patient, he's seeing them. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a <laughs> and, big difference. Yeah. There's a difference. In fact, it's, um, uh, oh, who's it's the dad from, uh, I think it's the, uh, is it George Bernard? It's like the dad from Punky Brewster, that guy. Oh no. Um, 
Yeah, he's the he's the psychologist, you know. And so um, I think that's her on the screen. That's one of the sisters right now that you're seeing there. Uh, but the gist of it, that's him right yeah. there. <laughs> he's the, the psychologist, and so at the or psychiatrist. And so the gist of this one uh, is that uh, the two sisters are out to kill each other, and at the end, uh, the blonde one gets killed. And he finds the body and then he pulls the wig off and it's the other sister and the police come in and he says, it was the worst case of split personality I ever saw. <laughs> so that's the <laughs> kind of the gist again, right? So again, it's that thing where you go, ah, it's kind of psychological horror, you know, but it's not, uh, you know, scary, like nightmare kind of scary, right? But the whole reason that Trilogy of Terror is famous is because of the third act. The third act is uh, uh, Karen Black, who you're talking about. And um, uh, she buys this doll. It is a, uh, a Zoomy... Uh, it's not a... Uh, it's, he doesn't, she doesn't say uh, fertility doll, but it's something like that. And it has a little chain around its neck, and you might see it in the clips. Uh, and, and there's a tag, and it says, oh, this chain keeps it. If you got to keep this chain on it from coming to life, you got to keep this chain on it. Well, then the chain falls off, and sure enough, that ugly little doll comes to life, and the whole third segment is that thing trying to kill her. And she's the only person in the third segment. It's just a, a battle. You can see that thing is running around and trying to bite <laughs> her. And, and he's got a little spear. He's trying to, or, you know, he's trying to poke her and all this. And, um, uh, I mean, she's, uh, she gets it wrapped in a towel and tries to drown it in the tub. But then it comes out. And, then there's a and lot of logic it. there. I'm going to drown the magical doll. <laughs> That'll show it. I'll take him out. I mean, you know, it's funny that Flack would end up picking something here with a mystical doll. Uh, because I uh, also, you know, you can't get enough mystical dolls. That's the way I look at it. Uh, and one of the ones that I remembered, it's one of the first things I thought of when we uh, tried to get something together here, was uh, uh, I used to watch uh, a show called Night Gallery. Now I don't know if you're familiar with Night Gallery, but this was the uh, this was the effort uh, that sort of like came up after the Twilight Zone. Um, so Night Gallery was the uh, I, I hate to call it the follow-up to the Twilight Zone because that's not fair. Uh, it was actually a show that Rod Serling didn't have nearly as much control over as he did uh, the Twilight Zone. Uh, but what he did have was a lot of episodes that he wrote. He was heavily involved in it for the first couple years, and then his uh, his uh, role in it was diminished. He was perpetually at war with his producer in this show, who his producer really preferred these sort of campy. And I, when I say campy, brother, I mean campy, like Universal Monsters, like little comedy bits. Uh, unlike the Twilight Zone, uh, an, an episode of Outer Limits might have three or even four different segments in it. Uh, but uh, uh, there were quite a few good episodes of this. There were quite a few like not so good episodes as well. I mean, this was a this was a much more hit or miss affair uh, than uh, the Twilight Zone. In fact, I love Rod Serling. I mean, I really love him, and we'll talk more about him later. But he wrote one of the worst things I've ever seen. It was on this show. It was called I think it was called The Trap. The premise of it was these astronauts were on the moon and they kept getting killed. They couldn't figure out what it was. <laughs> 
And so that they sent more astronauts up to see what happened, and they noticed the astronauts had built this big thing. It almost looked like a, a goalpost or something, like from the NFL. They couldn't figure out what they were building, and at the end, they figure it out because that, they're getting ready to get killed because there's a giant rat up on the moon, and that they were building a huge mousetrap. That's what they were building, and Rod Serling wrote this this debacle. I mean, I saw this. I was baffled. I was like, what was Rod smoking that night? It's the worst thing I've ever seen him write, but... With all that said, there are plenty of good episodes. The one episode I recommend uh, you watch are really two, and, and for horror purposes. One of them is called The Doll, which very similar to what Flack was talking about. Uh, as a vengeance play, a guy sends this dude a doll, and guess what? The doll is a killer doll, and the doll comes around and tries to kill him, uh, and it's a, it's a real, it's a real fun sort of a vengeance play to see how this guy ultimately gets even with the guy who was getting even with him. Excellent. I don't want to ruin the ending for it for because it, it's so good. Uh, but the uh, another one I would recommend uh, is one called The Caterpillar. This is a particularly cunning one where a guy covets another dude's wife. They're in the, I think they're in the deepest, darkest parts of Africa and a couple British guys. And I will say, the guy, the wife in this is smoking, uh, and he wants this guy's wife. And so he comes up with a cunning plan to stick a, 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 a bug in this guy's ear. And these bugs are notorious in this country because they they will dig through your head to, and eat through it. Well, hilariously, the guy who bought, the who rented the guy to go put the bug in, the guy screws up and puts it in his ear. And so you spend the whole episode having this bug crawl through his ear, and he's in agony. The whole episode, at the very end of the episode, the bug crawls out the other ear. He survived. It's a miracle. And this evil guy has survived uh, this caterpillar attack. But then the doctor breaks the news to him in the last act. He has the caterpillar. He studied it. The caterpillar just had babies. That's right. It laid eggs in this guy's brain. And so he's... <laughs> He's in for a bad time. That was another great one. You can imagine how squishy that one makes you feel as you're watching this guy have a bug crawl through and eat through his brain. But it was a really good episode. There are plenty of other episodes that are great. Uh, Night Gallery, uh, if it had the first, it had either one of the first, if not the first ever teleplay of a H.P. Uh, Lovecraft story. There are actually a couple H.P. Lovecraft stories in there, including Cool Air. Uh, really good stuff. Uh, again, it's a mixed bag, but I think this one gets overlooked a lot uh, as people look to these old uh, anthology shows. Uh, well, while we've got Flack on the door here, I'm going to take a quick break. We'll be back after a few commercials. Uh, you are watching Conversations from the Dark Side. You are experiencing Conversations from the Dark Side. You are experiencing Conversations from the Dark Side. And we're back. Uh, you know, I did get a uh, audio submission this time around from a good buddy, Mitsuyama, and he touched on something that I was going to uh, bring up anyway, man, because this is something I heard about long ago, and I ultimately watched the show, uh, and it's a BBC offering called uh, Ghost Watch. Uh, I'll let Mitsuyama explain. Yeah, I've got him here on audio. Let's turn it on. Hi, everyone. It's Stephen, a.k.a. Mitsuyama on Discord. It's good to have Aaron and Rob back with conversations from the dark side, so I thought I'd call in on the topic of made-for-TV horror shows. 
On Halloween night in 1992, the BBC broadcast a programme called Ghost Watch. This was presented as a live TV show intended to present evidence of paranormal activity at a house in a suburb of London. The show was hosted by Michael Parkinson in the studio, supported by Mike Smith, who has overseen the phone calls from viewers, and Sarah Green, who was doing an outside broadcast from the house. A thing to keep in mind here is that these were well-known TV presenters of factual TV programmes, not actors, which gave the show an air of credibility. The programme also featured Craig Charles, who many people will know played Lister from the British version of Red Dwarf, who was a roaming reporter interviewing people from neighbouring houses. As the show progresses, they start to uncover more evidence of the poltergeist, known as Mr Pipes, who had been terrorising the family living in the house. They have cameras positioned around the house, and the footage shown from these has the same feel as the found footage style later used in films like The Blair Witch Project. They start to piece together more details of the poltergeist, who he was, and what happened to him. The events in the house turn more bizarre, and the programme ends when the poltergeist somehow manages to transmit itself back to the TV studio, plunge it into darkness, and possess the host of the show. The programme was actually a scripted screenplay that was part of a BBC anthology series called Screen One. The BBC didn't try to hide this from viewers. The continuity announcement before the programme referred to it being in the style of a live TV show. It had the Screen One title sequence and opening credits that showed the writer of the show, and the closing credits listed all the actors involved. However, if you'd missed the start of the show, it was easy to believe that you were watching a live TV show, and many people did. It was kind of like how some people thought that Earth was actually being invaded by Martians when they were listening to the War of the Worlds radio play. The show drew a lot of complaints and generated quite a bit of controversy after it was broadcast, and it's never been shown again on British TV. I think it's available to watch on the Internet Archive, and I know that it's also on Daily Motion. A Google search should find it. Although it looks quite dated these days, and you know it's a screenplay, so it loses some of its impact. It's still worth re-watching as it remains quite entertaining. Thank you very much, Mitz, for uh, chiming in. We got Flack back here on the air. Can we can, can we hear you, Flack? Say a little something for Ooh, us. There you go, scary, <laughs> scary stuff, kids. Uh, you know, haunted. we're we're talking about Ghost Watch. I think I mentioned to you the other night when we were talking, uh, Flack. This was a um, this was a faux documentary or, or entertainment show that aired uh, in Britain and the UK. And where they were going to have a haunted house or whatever, and, it, and things got away from them, you know, and, and it, it got a lot of complaints because people uh, were didn't know it was uh, was scripted. They thought it was you know much like Mitch said, they thought it was like World of Worlds, uh, and were getting uh, scared. And it is, a, it's actually they do a really good job of sort of ramping up the the, the scares in this. I love this sort of stuff. You know, I was a, I'm a big fan of Mercury Theater on the air, you know, and I love Orson Welles. I, I love that whole shtick, but a lot of people don't realize that, like, the War of the Wars thing is sort of overblown. Like, it wasn't the, mm-hmm. at least for everything I've read, it wasn't the unbelievable event that people make it out to be. I would contend that, at least in the UK, this was a, a much bigger deal uh, because people were freaking out, and, and the way this was made, it was quite cunning. Instead of just being a straight lace, sort of like, I mean, we've seen a million of these ghost shows these days. But what they did was, in the background, they would lay in masks, faces, stuff to get the crowd into it. You know, and then they would they would act like they were getting calls, and people were pointing this stuff out. 
You know, and if you're a viewer at home and you saw it, you're like, I saw that too. You know, it <laughs> it was a real, it was a real good angle. You know, and they not only was this, uh, uh, they got in all sorts of trouble, but they never showed this again. To my knowledge, this is uh, something that's never aired since. If it has, oh. it's been in the past few years. Have you ever heard of this one since before I mentioned it to you? Um, no, I only I only heard about it from you. Um, I do. I love the premise. I was going to ask you what it reminded me of. Did you Did you see this thing that's been floating around? I guess it's about ten years old now. It was called the WNUF Halloween Special. Have you seen that? No, I don't think I've heard of that. It was a. Um, I don't believe it wasn't. It didn't air on TV, but the premise is identical. To this ghost watch show what it is is it's it it's uh, uh pretends or to be a actual vhs tape and i think that's how it was originally circulated but that's the gist of it is that it's a uh, a 10 o'clock newscast and there's they're they're doing the news and it's halloween night and then they go into it and then they have a reporter and they're going to do a live special uh, where there's a haunted house and uh, in the haunted house, they've got some people. So it's almost kind of like uh, Amityville Horror, where they've got people that are gonna uh, try to do a séance at the house, and then things go terribly wrong, you know. But it is that type of thing. It's just like this Ghost Watch, where it's presented on the level, you know. And uh, I, I've read the same things you have about uh, War of the Worlds that it wasn't as big of a thing uh, as people, you know, now historically, like people say, Oh, there was millions and millions of people, you know, but, um, really, uh, it, you know, it really only takes a few people yeah. <laughs> to, to make a problem. You know, we, we had that, uh, in the eighties again, uh, borderline horror, but with some of those, um, uh, those made for TV movies that were, like about nuclear war and things like that, like the day after, you know, yeah. that sort of thing where they would show those and people would call in, they go, is this happening? You know, so you, you got to be real careful. What was the one with the terrorists and the nuclear, you ever seen that one? The terrorists yes. had, had uh, tested a nuke. That was like, I can't recall, but I mean, it was another one like that. I, I have I it on VHS right over here somewhere. <laughs> you know, it's funny because, I mean, um, and of course this was not made for TV, but it, it falls in a lot of what we're talking about it would be something like the Blair Witch Project. Uh, and I remember mm -hmm. I did watch that on TV because I bootlegged it before it came out of theater. <laughs> and and what scared me was is that I didn't I didn't know it was fake. I I because I hadn't you know I got it off the IRCs and so all I knew was like oh cool I like documentaries on witches and crap especially back in those mm -hmm. days. And I'm watching it just seemed like one of the millions I'd seen before, you know. And then at some point I was like this doesn't seem like it's on the up and up. And I remember. Uh, I was up at the, I believe I watched that when I lived up on the mountain. No, no take that back. I don't know where I was, but I know it was somewhere spooky, and that was the wrong thing to watch. And it really had an effect on me. I was like, man, it, so that's the old found footage or the, or the, and the live newscast. I've not heard of the one you just mentioned, but I'm, now that I see that you can watch it, WNUF Halloween special for anyone at the house that wants to check that mm -hmm. out. That might be a good one to check into, uh, Flack. <clears throat> did you, did you have, at your house, or maybe you still do, especially now your kids are sort of are moving on. But did mm -hmm. you guys have sh uh, things that you traditionally would watch around the Halloween season at your house? Um, you know, my kids were not scary movie kids. They didn't really want to watch scary movies. And it's funny. I know that uh, the U.S. Uh, is uh, the kind of the opposite of the U.K. 
in which uh, I know in a lot of UK things, uh, they limit their children from watching violence. And, uh, but nudity is kind of okay. Whereas here, um, you know, I would protect my kids from watching anything that had nudity in it. But if people are getting beheaded, eh, you know, <laughs> he'd say, yeah, that's okay. It is strange. I will yeah. Um, one, one of my favorite things, though, was I used to, uh, and I actually still do this, I would make like a playlist. Um, now it's much easier now that everything's digital, right? But I used to have like a, a couple of videotapes or DVDs or something of horror movies, but, you know, not not um, not R-rated stuff, like kind of PG, kind of scary movies. Blair yeah. Witch would probably fit in that or whatever. But I would always have those playing... Uh, during Halloween, during trick or treat time. So when you, you know, cause it would like kind of get you in the mood or sometimes they would have uh, Halloween stuff on network television, which was good because you would, they would cut out the worst parts, you know, but I would always have that when, when kids would open uh, the doors, you know, to trick or treat, I would always, always wanted to have something on the TV, um, you know, so like I said, if it was a, a network broadcast thing, you know, something that, that, um, I, I heard you talk. I, I the mic cut out, but I could still hear you talking when you were talking about. Um, uh, I, I think it was Tales from the Dark Side when you were talking about that doll episode. You uh, know, night I gallery. mentioned the night gallery. Oh, night gallery, night gallery. Yeah, and I talked about the doll episode um, from uh, the trilogy of terror. Is that there is? It just kind of made me think of this off the top of my head. But there's kind of the two different kinds of horror. Uh, in a lot of this television stuff, which is, you know, there's the supernatural horror, like, oh, there's, I guess three, really, because there's the supernatural, you know, the ghosts and the things like that. And then there's the psychological ones, you know, the ones where it's like, oh, it's a split personality person, you know, or whatever. But then there's the stuff where, I mean, it can be supernatural, but it's based on real life stuff, you know? And so, like, you know, people have dolls in their house. Like my sister had dolls. So when I saw a horror thing on TV and a doll came to life, it creeped me out because I knew tomorrow there's going to be a doll in my house. <laughs> you know, a lot of the things uh, um, like I think about like poltergeist, you know, it was like it took place in a house. Like things were happening with the furniture. Things happened with the TV. We had furniture. <laughs> we had a TV, you know, so that kind of horror um, always, always got to me like the stuff that I could really relate to, you you know, we see a lot of that with um, uh, a lot of those shows we were talking about, Twilight Zone and, and things like that, where it would be a situation where it would be, you know, a real life setting. Like if it if it's in outer space or something, it's not going to be that scary to me because, you you know, I think that ain't that ain't going to happen to me. But, you know, if it's a doll that comes to life and then I go and then I look over and my sister's going to doll in the corner. And, <laughs> it is funny so, how many of these anthology shows had one or more episodes involving a doll or a, or a ventriloquist dummy. I, I mean, if you think about it, we just talked about it appeared in the Trilogy of Terror. There, It also appeared uh, in uh, Night Gallery. And there there are probably, f I could think of three, at least three instances in the Twilight Zone that involved a doll. Of course, there's the obviously the famous one called The Doll that had Telly Savalas mm -hmm. in it, which was great. But there were also a couple that did uh, in there. They had ventriloquist dummies in them, which are mm -hmm. you know somewhere in the same ballpark, you know. And so it is. I guess that man has an, an innate terror towards, uh, it, it, like basically inanimate objects that parody a living creature of some sort 
and the possibility that this thing could could suddenly come to life. Maybe it's some sort of uh, uh, you know long lost deep fear that have has stuck around since the caveman days of that sort of thing. I don't know what it would I don't know what would cause that, but it, it's always around and it's it's fair game in the, many of these anthology shows. Uh, that's for sure. Um, you know, you know, I just got to say, when yeah. I was a kid, I had a ventriloquist doll. So I would watch all these horror anthology things with a ventriloquist doll, and they were all very scary to me. Yeah. But none of them were as scary as my ventriloquist act, which was pretty. <laughs> <laughs> you and Boat, you get together, you get Bridge Jones up there and get your dog go to work. You know, uh, Charlie you know, McCarthy. <laughs> my, you know, uh, my ex girlfriend uh, is a big. Uh, she's a ghost hunter. She's a big paranormal person which i was i was deep into it there for a while myself and so halloween around here is a quite sacred i mean she starts early and goes and so we always have stuff that we watch and we we always kick off every year with the disney uh headless horseman uh which was mm. i mean great i think that did debut in the i believe that uh, debuted with the mr toad's wild ride in the, in the 1952 yeah. i believe something like that uh, but uh, most of people will remember it from its many appearances on the Disney uh, show that was, uh, you know, on ABC for years and years and years. And that's when we watch every year. In fact, we named our cat Ichabod. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> one thing, I, you know, there was a show that came on in 99. No one talks about this and you never see it. And it's always funny to me now, and especially since we've got a bunch of computer people that watch this. This is uh, the, the uh, Headless Horseman but it was all done with the eight, 1999 CGI technology. Uh, they'll never put this back on TV. You look at it now if you're watching uh, this, watching oh, the stream. Boy. It is real weird, but it's it's funny because uh, the the acting is quite good, uh, and the uh, uh, it's it's actually it was I found it quite frightening uh, when it originally aired because it was quite off putting. The, the this is sort of I would call it Tekken level. CGI. That's what it reminds me of, the Tekken animation. But I thought this is one of the few shows that was creepy just because of the way it looked. It really had nothing to do with the actual show. So it just this whole thing creeped me out. The, the whole. Have you ever seen this one, Perchance Black? No, it looks a little bit like if um, the people from Toy Story got in a fire, like they melted <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you're right. I did find it uh, quite quite chilling though, uh, when it when it debuted. But we're we're big fans of that of the uh, the original. You know, there are parts. Some of the uh, the long lost Disney stuff is so good, uh, and you know, the true animation from back in the day. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the, of the proper animation from back in the day. Um, well, you mentioned the uh, Disney's, uh, the Ichabod Crane, the, the Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Did you guys also watch, because the one that we watched and, and was on my tape that I, I used to uh, run during Halloween was Disney's Halloween Treat. Um, the, uh, the uh, did, Disney that have special. did that have Donald Duck, uh, the thing with the witch and some other stuff yes, like that? Yes, it had all yeah. the different clips. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like a best of. And, and you know, it had the... Um, Oh my gosh! What is that? The uh, it'll come to me. But oh, the the um, uh, the night on the mountain. You know night what I'm talking about? Night on the mountain. Yeah, yeah. Bald mountain. Fantasia. Yes, yeah, that's on there. That's so yeah, awesome with that demon up there. He's like, I mean, the, oh my gosh. The R on that. It's funny. I, uh, um, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, Dragon Slayer, Don Bluth, and mm -hmm. I was watching a do I was watching a documentary with Don, and he was talking about how the animators. Uh, from his era, 
would talk to these old guys because they they had forgotten how they did a bunch of stuff for those old movies, and that one comes to mind. Mm. They they don't know how they did that animation, like so. The techniques and stuff. If you think about this, I mean, and this happens, I guess, a lot given the way technology is now. But I mean, this is a te- the techniques they use to do certain scenes that are gone, and they did all mm-hmm. sorts of stuff, including not, but not limited to like literally taking the film out and drawing on the film, and 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 uh, and taking out uh, and bur- and like holding stuff over smoke or fire or doing like, or putting these oh. weird chemicals. There's all kinds of crazy techniques. But yeah, that is an all time. An all-time classic bit, of course, a good tune on there too. But yeah, we're did you? Is that something you guys would break out as a kid or as an adult, Flag? Well, you know what? We watched Fantasia uh, in grade school when I was a little kid, and I remember watching that. And and like I remember telling my mom, like when I came home, I was like, "We watched this Disney movie, and there was a part where there was this guy on a mountain, and there was." demons and, and she was like what are you watching in school you know but that was my takeaway from fantasia that was my favorite thing so yes that um that uh you know as that was always my favorite part of uh fantasia but yeah we did watch the um disney's halloween treat i remember that was on uh you know disney I remember it was like sunday night disney would show their thing and, yeah and so that's the way it was, that when was... I was growing up yeah mm-hmm. you know when i was a young a younger man Saturday evenings at my house were sacred because my parents would go to bed and I had to go to school the next day. And I used to, I was the ultimate night owl. And I would stay up late every Saturday night. And that's where I learned a lot about these these scary shows because they would always have, there'd always be some Twilight Zones on. There would always be, that's when I used to watch Friday 13th, the series. And, but one show that would come on that I, I, I had a real uh, love affair with was a show called Tales of the Dark Side. Uh, this was a show that had uh, George Romero was behind it, amongst other luminaries of horror. I mean, a lot of people worked on these shows. Everyone from Stephen King to Harlan Ellison to uh, a whole treasure trove of people. And what you got was a show that I think it debuted in like '87. And what you got was a real crazy anthology show uh, that was built on the basis of the special the special effects that had been developed to be used on the cheap. So this is the first time you were really breaking out a lot of these effects on TV uh, th- that were generally reserved for the movies. Uh, and I'll, I'll take this show. I can tell right now the uh, conversation of the dark side. I ripped off at least part of Tell Us the Dark Side's name because I always thought that was cool. It's, and <laughs> I told Flack, it only occurred to me like within the last few months that people might think this is a Star Wars show, which it absolutely <laughs> is not. Did you catch many of the old Tales of the Dark Sides back in the mid-'80s, uh, Flack? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, this was one that uh, definitely played on UHF. I would step and 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 you know you're ready for a roller coaster ride when the introduction is scary. Yes. Remember the intro with the trees and oh, the yeah. thing and, and tales from the dark side. And I mean, that just set the mood right there. Yeah, there was a, um, uh, yeah, yeah, it was a regular watch for me for sure. In fact, if you listen to, if you watch this show to the very end, I get Miss Fox to actually say the last line that was on Tales from the Dark Side for this <laughs> show. It's a thorough and complete ripoff. Uh, but I, I, I was a fan. Now, the funny thing about Tales of the Dark Side is, you go back and watch it today. I watched, in preparation for doing this show, me and the family, 
for our Halloween show one night this week. We watched the two, probably the two most talked about episodes of the Twilight Zone, which uh, which is the pilot episode. Uh, in the pilot episode, uh, a man uh, who pretty much runs the whole town, he hides all the town's IOUs in his house, and he makes them send their kids to try to find them, and he joy joyously scares the crap out of them. And at one point, a witch... Is this the trick-or-treat one? This is, is that, the very uh, first one, trick-or-treat. And when, yeah. when, and eventually, a witch shows up and, like, torments this guy, and ultimately, he dies. <laughs> it's a great episode. And when the witch showed up, my kid wasn't as impressed as I as I demanded. Oh. I yelled at him. I was like, come on! But, I mean, now they're spoiled. But at the time, the uh, the uh, costumes in this episode, because not only do you see a witch, but you also see, like, a, the devil at one point as well, they were horrifying because you'd never seen that sort of thing on public. I hadn't seen it on television. It was it was too disturbing, you know, to 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 uh, to be seen, and it was too expensive for them to put something like that on television. Uh, the other episode that is a real winner, uh, it's, which is uh, the one we're looking at right now, is the is the first episode of season two. This is one where the old man just hates Halloween, and he won't give out candy and ultimately just to be a jerk when this kid comes to get candy from him he pours a bunch of mayonnaise and syrup into a dishful of candy and then dumps that in the kid's candy bag what a jerk i mean that's he ruined the kid's christmas or halloween so you know that's not going to go unmolested and so this creepy little dwarf freak with a tail like mauls this guy too it's another mall basically in this show if you're not giving out candy you're in deep trouble brother that's the way they did it back in those days. Two classic episodes. Did you have any that you remember, uh, Flack, that stood out to you from back in the day? You know, I, I, one of the things that I remember just about the show in general, I would say, is that um, that that style of show, that anthology style of show, let you do things that you couldn't do in movies. Um, and then Tales from the Dark Side was able, was kind of this middle ground because not only could you do things, um, well, let me explain that. Uh, you can't do a full on movie where at the end the guy dies. I mean, you can, but you know what I mean? Like a guy that's a terrible guy and he dies, like people don't want to watch a two hour movie that ends like that, right? But you could do that in a half hour show because you're not vested in this guy. It's a story. Next week it's going to be a different story and it's going to you're going to move on, you know. And and I remember there was one um that I remember watching as a kid and uh I mean, I think just the gist of it was this lady got on the train and then it was like the wrong train, and she could never get off the train. Yeah. I remember, you know, and, and it was, was always a kid the... on it, and yeah, yeah. And every time they went just... to a tunnel, everybody freaked out. That was like it's a great episode. I know exactly what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, and, and she would look around occasionally, and everyone on the train car would be dead and all nasty looking. <laughs> That's when they went to the right. tunnels. The one thing about yeah, Tales of the Dark Side occasionally have one of these. Let's just screw with someone episodes, which is what they would do. And like there was like that chicken that episode knew they were wrong. It was just like, it, unlike the Twilight Zone, Tales of the Dark Side would just screw with normal people to do anything wrong. It's it, it's fun, you know, and that's what would be the show. And so that, I always enjoyed that aspect of it. Uh, it was a great show. It had a spinoff show called Monsters. Monsters was much, even more hit or miss. Uh, and it had a mandate that it always had some sort of monster in it. Uh, there were a couple <laughs> good episodes. The one I, if, if I had to pick one out of that batch... 
I would pick out the Fearless Vampire Hunter. I thought that was a really good one. Uh, if you want to see a little uh, Vampire Hunter action squeeze into 20 minutes. That's something else. This is like a shot glass of entertainment. You go in, you knock it out. And, I mean, a lot like these. That's a good thing about anthology shows. You're not in for a long haul. Even if it's a stinker, you could sit through 22 minutes of it, you know. Yeah. Do you remember there was a Tales from the Dark Side? Um and, and uh, I loved uh, Debbie Harry Blondie, how she kind of, when she graduated yeah. from um, Blondie, and then she just started being, like, she was in um, Cat's Eye. Remember, she was the, the mom in Cat's Eye in that anthology movie. and uh, yeah. But she started doing, and uh, she, she was, was in, in Twilight Zone, or she was in uh, Tales from the Dark Side of the movie as well. That's right. That's yeah. right. And um, she was on uh, Tales from the Dark Side. There was an episode about a, a moth, remember? And, and, I uh, believe that was the name of it. Uh, yeah, episode. is it? Uh, yeah, and uh, she had to capture the moth in the jar, the, and the, the daughter kept whispering. But again, it's just those cre- – it's like a creepy short story where you don't have to stretch it out for an hour and a half or two hours. It's just like you get to the gist of it. It's right there, and you're kind of in and out. But, uh, yeah, I remember that one. That was a really good you one. You know, I will say uh, that it was that was on my list, actually. I don't know if you look, if you saw that on there. That's, a, oh, that's no. an excellent pick because I was going to mention Debbie Harry. Listen, I love Blondie. The Debbie mm-hmm. Harry was hot. Great band. All right? a, 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 a great band. But, like, her acting chops were never fully explored. This chick could go. And that particular episode you talked about, she does some really good acting in that. And it's a real creepy episode about this witch who tries to convince her mother to stop a moth from flying out of her mouth after she's dead so she can come back to life. It's a real, I mean, the whole thing is very unsettling. And uh, uh, it's an excellent, it's probably one of the better episodes of, of, uh, of Tales of the Dark Side, a really, really top shelf uh, version. All right, we're going to take a quick break, everybody. We'll come back, and we've got a few more things coming up here I want to talk about, including Friday the 13th, uh, the original Twilight Zone, uh, amazing stories, uh, and a few uh, British offerings as well. We'll be back in two shakes. You are experiencing Conversations from the Dark Side. And we're back. Hey, uh, you know... I was talking to Flack uh, during the commercial break, uh, and he brought up uh, a show that it's funny. As as a, um, I guess it's my age group. I di- I didn't get into this show that much, but I know everyone else did. And I go back. I hear people talk about it all the time, and so I have went back and caught some of it. And that's a little show that uh, called Unsolved Mysteries. Flack, take it away, man. Man, I, you know, it is a little bit later than some of the stuff we're talking about. Uh, you know, those those older black and white anthology shows. But Unsolved Mysteries almost was uh, an anthology show in a way. I mean, it was a weekly show. And uh, in, in the original format, now the, they've, they've changed it, you know, the, a little bit since they've they've chopped it up the segments and they kind of put them in different orders now uh, because the whole show is on uh, Amazon Prime streaming. So you can watch all the old episodes that way. Um, but, uh, you know, in the original one, they would have a, um, you know, like a lost love one, <laughs> you know, reunited family segment. They would have some deal like, uh, you know, lost treasure or something. And then they would have like, well, of course, there would always be the murder. There's like an unsolved murder, you know. But they had all these paranormal ones, too. I remember there was an episode about um, uh, like an alien abduction one. And these people were abducted and they went, you know, and of course, um, 
you know, everything on Unsolved Mysteries is a reenactment. So sometimes the actors are good, sometimes they're not so good, you know. <laughs> Just you never know what you're going to get. But uh, yeah, that there's a, an alien abduction one, which was uh, a super scary. There was like I mean, a lot of UFO ones. There's a lot of Bigfoot ones. Like those always creep me out late at night. Um, there was one called... Um, the Circleville Letters. Are you familiar with this case? No. Or with this? The Circleville Letters was basically this town, oddly enough, called Circleville. And um, people in the town started getting these letters. And they would open up the letter and it would be like, listen, I know what you did. And I know uh, I'm going to tell your husband what you've been up to or whatever. And then other people started getting the letters and it just started going on and on and on. Um, and then the town just like kind of starts turning against itself, you know, and they start pointing fingers. And this one guy, um, th there was like, there ends up being a, uh, uh, a letter and it was in a box and it was written for somebody to go get. And when they went and got it, there was a handgun, uh, with a string tied to the trigger. When you open a box, it fired the gun <laughs> and at the person and they, opening the box. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. And so this guy got arrested and uh, they were like, ah, we got the guy who's been writing the letters that are terrorizing the whole town. But then the letters continued and they were sending, whoever it was, was sending letters to the sheriff and they were like, you got the wrong guy, dum-dum. They're still getting letters. And so they, like that guy didn't get on on parole because they said they're still sending letters. He goes, it ain't me. I'm in jail. <laughs> I'm not writing the letters, you know? <laughs> and so it just went on, but um, but literally, and, and this is, this is, uh, they say this is true. It could be a little self, uh, promotion, but the, uh, the production staff of unsolved, uh, of unsolved mysteries said that they received a letter when they started working on it and they got a letter that said, you better not put this on TV or whatever. So yeah, that was a <laughs> A crazy, crazy episode. That's the Circleville Letters was the name of that. Um, the other one I remember uh, as a kid that really scared me was the story of Resurrection Mary, which uh, was a little girl. She was a young girl, and then she she died, and then people kept saying that she they were seeing her around uh, the Resurrection Cemetery. And they said, it's this cemetery in Illinois. Well, it turns out it's like five miles from where my dad grew up. Like, it's <laughs> like, my, and then my, I'm talking to my dad. I'm like, have you heard about Resurrection Mary? He goes, okay, first of all, we all heard about it our whole lives. It was like a local, you know, thing. But he said, I used to go to that cemetery, like after, you know, in high school, we, that's where we went to go drink beer. We would all go out there and sit. We would like, where there, you know? So he said, I've been to that cemetery a thousand times. And I've never seen a ghost. I'm like, well, you better watch this Unsolved Mysteries because I think there's a ghost there. So I actually went to that cemetery one time with my dad. We went up there and we went walking around looking at, um, you know, and they've, the problem is, is that it, it's such a, um, a popular story that now, you know, kids like teenagers, they want to spend the night in the cemetery. They want to. Uh, you know, so they really have problems with teens and people hanging out inside there. But, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, um, that was, uh, uh, one that really scared me. I know you're showing some unsolved mysteries video. One of the, the really great things now on Amazon prime, 
uh, is that the, the episodes are so old that at the end of maybe half of them, maybe more, you know, you'll watch the episode and they'll go, the murderer has never been found. And then it'll go update. They found the murderer. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I forgot they, they should be called those, like, didn't they? yeah, I'm going to check that out. Yeah, sem- semi-solved mysteries, maybe. <laughs> you know, the thing that gets me about this show and it's funny because Robert Stack, every time I see him, I think I can't help but think of his turn in airplane, which was so <laughs> ludicrous. True. And the thought that this guy would scare people sort of amuses me. But people, I've heard this a million times, that seeing him, get they get scared. And a million, million times that if they hear the music, they freak out. Like people are scared of this, this tune. Have you, have you ever heard that? I have, and let me tell you about this music. A um, uh, long time ago, maybe 10 years ago, they released the Unsolved Mysteries soundtrack on vinyl. <laughs> and it was a limited release. It was right, right when vinyl was coming up big, you know, and it sold out immediately. I've seen the record sell for hundreds and hundreds of dollars on eBay. It's super rare. It's really hard to track down. But... Earlier this year, like three months ago, uh, they reissued it on CD for the first time. And uh, I don't have it right here. I moved it on the other desk, but I have the CD right here. I bought that thing. It's the first CD I bought in a decade. And uh, What is on there aside from the opening? Like, How did they fill the CD? Is there a hip-hop I mean, version and a polka version? <laughs> and a- <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pull this up because it's going to make you uh, laugh. But... Uh, uh, it has like a lot of the different um, uh, songs that they played in the background, you know, for like some of the episodes and stuff like that. Um, but um, I mean, like this one's called this track five is called Queen Mary Haunted Ship. <laughs> I mean, they're all just, um, you know, just different tracks. This one is called so they're, um, they're, they're, it names them after the show they were involved in, presumably. Kind yeah, and like there's several from this episode called The Gray Man, and it says uh Anne dies, woman mourns, the gray man. <laughs> so it's just bits of music, but you can put it on in the background, you know, and, and kind of get that vibe. But it does have the uh the opening uh theme song, and then there's different versions of the theme song, like over a couple different years, so it's got all those. Um, I mean, it, this is kind of a niche purchase, you know. It, it, yeah, but, no uh, kid, but I mean, uh, clearly someone liked it. But they sold out that quick. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's uh, this one called uh, A Ghost in His Candles, A Ghost in the Basement. Uh, I mean, it has 33 tracks. There's there's a lot of Unsolved Mysteries uh, music. But, yeah, that's a, it was a fun purchase. So How, str- how strange. Uh, uh, but I have to laugh. <laughs> I mean, I mean I, I've heard that so often, so I'm not terribly surprised. And this this show is really popular, so it's one of those shows. I mean, for me, I just it just looks like early '90s. I mean, those reenactments. There's, I mean, they're tough to swallow in any show, you know. But mm-hmm. I mean, they are sort of funny. I mean, often because you get your dear E list list celebrities to be on there, you know. But it's funny we did that FMV games last week, and I noticed that one of the chicks. Was it Tales from the ER, which is it's, it's exactly the same thing. Just some written, some people in the background doing crap. Now, you know, and we talked about this, uh, Flack, but there, the predecessor, I would say, to this, uh, we both watched quite a bit, hosted by Leonard Nimoy. I mean, this is also in our oh. wheelhouse uh, from back mm-hmm. in the day. Uh, what are your thoughts on that particular series? 
I believe you're talking about in search of. Absolutely. Woo boy. Um, you know, in search of for for those that haven't seen it or, or don't remember, it was uh, just like what you said. It was a half hour show. It was hosted by Leonard Nimoy. Um, you got your heavy hitter episodes. You know, there's going to be an episode on the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, there is. It's going to be your episode on Bigfoot. This is every gonna year, have a, by the way. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because they would come back, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, because, yeah, then they came back and they were like, well, this is a specific uh, Bigfoot case or something, you know. Uh, but those are your, your big ones. But then they would have, like, um, like something super specific, you know. Um, and, in fact, I... Uh, you know that I recently went on a cruise. We went to uh, Cozumel and we went to uh, the Yucatan. And while we were in the Yucatan, we got to go to these Mayan uh, pyramids and the temples, you know. I mean, and, and the pyramid at the top has this flat area. And our guide says, now at the top of the pyramid, there's a flat area. And I go, oh, yeah. I go, that's, that's where they did the, uh, the, sacrifices. the sacrifices. That was a temple. And he goes... <laughs> He, he goes, yeah, yeah, and then the the side there's a, a slide down the side, and I go, and then they when they they chop your the heads off, that would roll down the side, yeah. and he goes, I I don't know about that, you know, but uh, <laughs> he was like, where did you hear that? And then I was thinking, I learned it on In Search of. There's a whole episode <laughs> about Mayan pyramids, and and I don't know, you know, those things get stuck in your brain. I, um, I, I knew that, and I had no idea what you were talking about. But I remember that episode. <laughs> I remember the reenactment they did, you know, oh, yeah. from back in the that, day. That didn't age well, some of the actors, you know, some of the uh, uh, the portrayal of the Mayans, you know. Uh, I will say this. When I was uh, – now, this this show came out, like, before I was born or around the time in this, like, early, 70, early 70s. 70, 76. Oh, 76. Okay, yeah. so I was a little little kid. But I, I do remember it being on, you know, but I have this very specific memory uh, there was that summer that the Amityville Horror came out, you know? Yeah. And people were talking about the Amityville Horror. And I was like, can I watch the Amityville Horror? My mom was like, no, you cannot watch the Amityville Horror. And I was like, yeah. okay. Uh, and then like two weeks later, there's an episode of In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy about the Amityville horror where all they did was take the worst, scariest parts of the movie and put it in the episode. So I couldn't see the Amityville horror in the theater or rent it or whatever. But then on TV, there's, you know, it has the stuff with Jody, the, the pig with the red eyes. That's in, that's in the episode. It has the stuff with the flies. It has, they interview the priest and he says, you know, they, they, oh, that, that was it, I think. Is that, uh, this is it. Uh, cause, yeah. Yeah. Cause they have him black. They said, we, uh, they said the priest, um, in the episode, it says uh, he doesn't want to be, uh, recognized. So they black him out. And I thought, how tough is it going to be to figure out who this guy is? You know, plus it seems um, like the devil could figure it out if he really wanted to. Right. That's the guy yeah. you're worried about, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, so there's the flies. Yeah. This is all the Amityville horror. So, it was funny that, like, you I, you know, I couldn't see. There's blood dripping down the walls here. I wasn't allowed to see the movie, but then they put it all in this episode of this show. So uh, they got away with some some scary stuff. Uh, and, of course, you know, there's a lot of uh, just regular kind of paranormal stuff. They had episodes, like, about um, 
oh, I don't know, people's auras and stuff. And you would go, well, that's interesting. But, man, they get into a haunted house episode or something. And there's an entire episode about witchcraft. And, uh, I mean, I was like six years old. And I was like, oh, hope nobody puts a curse on me. And they like, we'll, <laughs> like talk to real to life, we'll talk to real life witches. Remember that? They had <laughs> they showed those chicks in the white outfits dancing around the woods. You know, I... Listen, uh, this show made me what I am. It, there wouldn't be uh, me and you wouldn't be here talking but for this. My dad is a big time uh, paranormal guy from back in the day, and so when this came mm. on, you can be sure a little Aaron. Of course, there's one TV in the house uh, also that, that that also played a role. But you can be sure little Aaron was watching this, and every week I would get excited. And you're right, there'd be some weeks where it'd be like a dud episode, and they were probably pretty good, but not for me. But stuff like uh, Bigfoot, UFOs, Atlantis was—I remember that was a uh, yeah. one that was really cool. Like undersea structures, you know. Uh, what happened to uh, missing people? You know, there was also that, like Amelia Earhart. I remember that there was an episode of that. Uh, it was a great, just a great show. And then also, I knew Leonard Nimoy from Star Trek. So as a kid, he had optimum credibility because as far as i'm concerned spock is hosting this show that's all i needed to see you know so I, that i was loving it i thought it was great great show it's funny that you mentioned andy bill horror of course it, for those that aren't to know that was 100 percent made up by, by the authors but at the time like that 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 story had a lot of jack and i remember another show that covered andy bill horror to a great degree, and it was right around the same time it was called That's Incredible. I don't know if you remember that show. It had oh, um, Fran Tarkenton uh, was one of the hosts on there. Uh, Kathy Lee Gifford. Kathy Lee Gifford. <laughs> and who was that? John Davidson. Remember the three? My yeah. God, how do we know that between the two of us? But uh, yeah. they did another uh, excellent uh, little show. Scared the, Those shows scared the E-crap out of me, because at the time, I didn't know they were... I thought that was like... <laughs> This was, you know, as a kid, you're like, oh, man, it's a ghost where the devil is running the show. Not good. Uh, you know, my uh, my favorite episode of That's Incredible is the one where they talk about, I think it was a Toys R Us, but it's the toy store. But I think it's Toys R Us that was haunted. And they say at the, there's like this clip and uh, and they turn off the lights and all of a sudden, I mean, it's like like the horror version of toy story where all the toys start coming to life. Yeah. And I remember, you remember they had, there's a clip in there. I mean, it was embedded in my brain of like the uh, Shogun warriors, which I had the like 24 inch figures <laughs> and the Godzilla that was the same scale. And they start coming out. And I remember laying in my bed, like with one eye open, Landon just watching that thing like that. They better not come over. <laughs> you know, the one that got me, I, I, I was scared of Bigfoot big time back in the day. Mm -hmm. And the episode sure. they did on, one of the episodes they did on Bigfoot, of course they covered it. Like, Again, this show ran for quite a while. And they did one of the episodes they did on Bigfoot, had him, they like, oh, Bigfoot's fast. You run through the woods. Out, he could outrun any man. And I had a mm. I had a dream that night that I was in my backyard and Bigfoot come trouncing out of the woods and was good and was after me, and I remember running as fast as I could, but I was a not exactly what I would call a speedster, and Bigfoot ran me down and he got me and he killed me and ate me in my dream. He was eating me when I died. 
I was scared to death of Bigfoot. You know, now hopefully Bigfoot's not a meat eater. You know, but at the time, I was just like, my God, this thing. And we sort of lived near, like, on the woods. So conceivably, Bigfoot could come out there and get me. So, th- yeah, this song had, a, this show had a lot of residual effects on me. But, I mean, I did love it. I watched it. It's, it's funny because it came on every Monday. And eventually, I started having to go to Boy Scouts or something those days. And I, that's when I fell out of it. But, I mean, I was religiously watching it. I, I love those old, like, sort of like docudrama shows from that era. Mm. Like, That's Incredible was one and, and this. And, and That's Incredible did occasionally would dip its toe into a ghost story or two. You know, they were yeah. a lot more liberal about their content back in the day. I, um... Uh, I've had online conversations because, you know, we are at a point in the internet now where uh, you remember like, like when the internet first started and, and things would show up and you're like, that's available or even like, you know, buying, um, like I bought the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, but I bought a bootleg, like a VHS bootleg. Yeah. Uh, But then eventually these things started coming out for real. Like, like, um, you know, Unsolved Mysteries was a thing that was only being traded and VHS things. All of a sudden, it's on Amazon Prime, and and they had some DVDs that were the DVDs are like compilations, you know. But but it was like now you can like officially get this stuff. And over time, you know, Twilight Zone, Tales from the Crypt, Tales from the Dark Side, all these shows have been released, and I have put like on my personal list number one <laughs> that I want is that's incredible. It's just something that's never been released. There's not a good like collection of them all out there that I've ever found anyway. Uh, that that's like my number one thing out there. I would love, love. And there's a few episodes and and uh, and parts of episodes. I think that haunted uh, Toy Story thing is out there on YouTube. So there's like clips and stuff, but there's there's just never been a, a release of them. And I, I don't know that there ever will be. But that would be the, I would love that. I it's really funny. That. It's I, I it, you don't hear anybody talk about it anymore. Uh, but it's it, and it was a big it was a big deal back when it was out. Sure, know? and everybody liked the and host. that family for the whole yeah. family. You know, yeah. everybody would watch. It. There was an episode they did where they investigate. I'll never forget this because I thought it was funny as a kid. They investigated this woman whose daughter was haunted nightly by these ghosts. Every night, this ghost would screw it would cause this huge ruckus in her room, and so that's incredible. Put cameras in the room to see if they could see anything. And about one in the morning, the girl gets up and just starts wrecking her room and screaming, ah, and then she runs back and gets in the bed. <laughs> They're like, well, that case is solved. And I thought to myself, well, at least they showed that. I'll give them that. They got to the bottom you know, of that one. But I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, I agree with you. That's incredible. I, I like the sort of news style. I don't know, because, I mean, they would also have, like, video game contests and some, like, world record type stuff. They did a little bit of everything on there. It was, it was like, you're right, it's a kind of a family show. And that mm-hmm. I, I always enjoyed that one. Um, let's get into, I want to talk briefly about some offerings that I have watched, uh, aside from Ghostwatch, from across the sea there, uh, over in the UK. Uh, I've come across a couple things I want to touch on. You know, it's funny, because you don't think about this too much, in, uh, around here at Christmas time. You don't think about ghost stories. But over in the UK, they sort of have a tradition of having, like, scary stories at Christmas, and, of course, you don't have to watch them at Christmas because you got YouTube. You can watch them whatever you want. Uh, and uh, they do like a, a series of Christmas videos, and they did it for a long time. I believe the uh, fellows in question, I know one was, uh, one of the guys they used to do was, like, Charles Dickens. Uh, I think the other guy is named M.L. 
Help me out here. Is it Stein or something like that? Oh, R.L. Stein? R.L. Stein. No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. That's not him. But anyway, uh, these are just scary little, little uh, like uh, mini movies, I guess you would call them, that they would put on around Christmas time. It's a great tradition uh, that I've always enjoyed. And I wrote down a couple of the ones I really I thought were really good uh, to uh, to talk about because I mean and, and this is something you probably haven't seen and we're not going to get into it for too long but I wanted to mention because this is something that a lot of people haven't gotten into uh, but that I think are, would be definitely worth your time and these things are from like the early seventies uh, you can catch all these on uh, on YouTube uh, they're all up there. Uh, from the old days, uh, one from 1972, and these are all sort of classic stories. It's called A Warning to the Curious. It's an excellent story about this archaeologist who comes up, he unearths this, uh, this thing that he shouldn't have unearthed. And he has the, uh, the people that, that were dead and guarding this thing come after him. It's a real spooky story. Another one that I think is great from 76, this is a Charles Dickens story that I don't think I've ever heard. Except on this on this video, it's called the Signalman, where a guy, uh, a guy, a, a spirit sort of signals the death of someone on these train tracks. And most of the story is this guy coming to a, I don't know much about the train, uh, the way trains were back in the day in the UK, but I guess they had these guys who manually ran the signals on the tracks, and they had these little houses they would go to, and they would stay in these little houses. They were real isolated, you know. And a lot of the story takes place with these two guys uh, talking uh, in this little area. It's real super spooky. Uh, again, this one is uh, from Charles Dickens. Of course, he's done a few Christmas. Uh, he's a very famous Christmas uh, ghost story. But this is one I don't think a lot of people have heard about. It's very well acted. It had big actors of the day. The name we were looking for, thank you, Mr. John, was M.R. James. I'm an idiot. I should know that. Mm. Who was responsible for the others. But if you're into... If you're into just some like, I mean, and this stuff works great because they're not Halloween th or they're not Christmas themed at all. Uh, if you want to just see something that's really scary, I like. I'm I may be in a minority here, but I love early seventies. I just like the way it looks. The uh, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. This is a period piece, but the the film stock, the color, it to me, it uh, maybe it's just because that's what I grew up with. But it sort of adds to the scary factor of it. Do you ever get that sort of feeling from that stuff? Is there an era that you think? Do you look at it, it freaks you out more than another era in terms of film or the way it's shot? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, all that stuff. It seems like a lot of that 70s kind of stuff, like it, it, um, uh, you get stuff that's like filmed in big mansions, which kind of gives you that weird feeling. There's always like stuff that's shot like outdoors in the woods. Like that was kind of a 70s thing. And again, it kind of calls back to that thing where those are places I've been. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I've been to the woods, you know? So then, you know, when they, when they they go to the woods and then there's a clearing and something happens or whatever, you know? Uh, yeah, that, that era for sure. Um, uh, just that kind of 70s because you know a lot of stuff in the 50s uh you know i mean there's a lot of scary stuff in in 60s you know i mean like uh i don't know that we've even touched on the twilight zone yet but that kind of stuff but when you watch it it's all filmed on sets you right. know what i mean so it kind of has that look but yeah there's a lot of especially i guess the british stuff too in that 70s kind of era there's a lot of it that's shot outdoors or in big homes and it just kind of has that more realistic uh feeling to the setting yeah i i agree with you on that uh I, 
I, I like the way they shoot them over there. Uh, you know, it's funny. Another one I want to touch on real quick. I don't really think of this as, uh, uh, as much of a, it's just not like a Tales of the Dark Side, but they do have elements of horror among other among, among many, many other elements. as Roald Dole's uh, uh, Tales of the Unexpected. This show, here's how I came across this one, Flack. You can relate to this. I was I was living up on the mountain, and I was going to be out of town for a weekend. And so what I used to do was, like, queue up a crap load of stuff on the news groups, just download it. When I got home, I was like, let's see what this stuff is. And so I started looking for anthology shows and British stuff, and this thing was up there. And I saw it ran for a ton of seasons. I'll just get the whole thing. I'll be gone for, like, two days. And I downloaded it, and once I got it, I just started sitting down and watching these things. I'm like, my God, where's this been my whole life? You know, I didn't. I was never the biggest Roald Dahl fan at, up until this point, but it, his back catalog, it gets freaky, brother. He's got a lot of weird stuff in there, and the early episodes are all his. Eventually, I have he, never seen this. Yeah, eventually he branches into stuff. Uh, uh, and the thing is, at the beginning of the first couple of seasons, Roald Dahl actually hosts them. And so he'll tell you stories about him hanging out at a hunting lodge with Ian Fleming and weird stuff like that <laughs> that you wouldn't expect. And a lot of these are real adult. I mean, they're not like dirty per se, but they're, you know, they're real adult. And if you're a, if you're a fan of the British TV scene like I am, you're going to see a whole host of people in here that you'll recognize. I mean, uh, 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 and then as they moved, they tried to get this off the ground in the States. And so you see a lot of American people in here, including the Smothers Brothers are in a couple episodes of all wow. people. But Joan Collins is in there. Just a ton of people are in there. Uh, the, this show was fairly conventional. I mean, it, it, it was most, there was a lot of crime and there was a lot of like wacky scenario stuff. But there was one episode, there were two episodes in particular that I found particularly scary. Uh, one of the early episodes where these people are, uh, they they eat this special honey, and they're basically like, they become like human bees, which was a real bizarre concept for a Roald Dahl <laughs> show. I mean, uh, trust me, this was way, this is the weirdest show of all the series, bar none. Yeah. Another yeah. really frightening one, and I saw someone mention it in here earlier. Ironically, I wish you could see who that was, but there's an episode where this girl, uh, feels like she's being followed or something like that on this on this uh, bus or a train and basically at the end of the episode these this couple abducts her and then she's done that's the end it was real Ooh. i mean there was no happy ending it was frightening the way this thing was no. shot there's a lot of good ones in here this one's a lot more hit than miss i will say so if you're tell us the name of it again it's called it's called well it had two names originally it was called roll dolls tales of the unexpected but eventually they dropped Raw Doll and just called it Telsey Unexpected because, listen, this thing ran for a long time. And so you, I don't know how many stories Raw Doll wrote, but I mean, they probably filmed a ton of them, you know, and, yeah, they, and yeah. they went on to do other, uh, other stuff. But uh, it starts off with a bang. If you've ever seen, did you ever see uh, uh, Four Rooms, I think it was called? It was a movie mm -hmm. that I know, but one of the stories was done by. Um, uh, the Pulp Fiction dude, help me out here, uh, Boat, uh, the director Tarantino. Oh, Tarantino, and he did an episode. He did a thing in the mo in the show where this guy made a bet that he could flick his lighter ten times, and if he lost, the guy could cut off his finger with a cleaver. You know, well the the pilot episode of this show is the short story that's based on that Tarantino sort of warped. 
Because if you oh. recall, if you ever saw that, and in that version, the guy instantly flubs it, and instantly gets the speaker cut off, like right away. There's no suspense. <laughs> but in this version, it's actually there's quite a bit of suspense. It's well done, well shot. Uh, and so I, this, is another one. this is another one I would recommend if you're into this sort of thing, uh, and that is Tales of the Unexpected. Um, you know, I, we, you mentioned a few times, Flax, we should go ahead. We've got to get into the Twilight Zone a little bit here. Uh, where did you do you remember where you discovered a Twilight Zone? Um, it would have been the same thing. It would have been uh, late night UHF, just flipping channels and, and then uh, just running across it. And, and all of a sudden, you know, like I said, it wasn't back then. Uh, you know, when I was young, I didn't have a VCR in my room. I didn't have cable in my room. So it was literally, you were pretty limited. And especially late at night, you know, when the main channels went to news or whatever, like that was it. So so you just had those couple of UHF channels. So that's yeah. definitely where I the twilight zone from it's I, I i'd wager i mean i remember it from as long as i can remember anything i remember the twilight i mean it's uh, it's one of the first shows i ever watched i think I, the shows i remember watching as a kid were the, the twilight zone a wild wild west and star trek and the cisco kid and the lone ranger these are basically that was the that was my uh rotation early <laughs> on so i was exposed early on and some of these episodes are incredibly frightening, especially of that era. Did you have any favorites that, from the old Twilight Zone? Oh man! Well, you know what? It, it's it's <laughs> almost sounds cliche, and and I would say this too for a lot of uh, people our age. Um, I, I don't know how popular Twilight Zone was in the mid to late seventies. I mean, I know it was on, but I don't know that it had a. Uh, I don't know if it was on UHF because I had a huge following or if it was cheap to rebroadcast, right? But in 82, 83, I think 83, we get the Twilight Zone movie. Yeah. And and so then that kind of, you know, rekindled. So, so all of a sudden, you know, I was paying more attention to the show at that point because it was like, oh, it's more, more episodes of the movie, you know, yeah. same kind of thing. But so it does sound a little cliche, but... Um, the episode of the thing on the wing, um, Nightmare at 20, which is, feet. yeah, yeah, it's a great episode. And then of course it's also a segment in the movie, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, you were talking about, you know, watching growing up on star Trek, of course <laughs> you get the William Shatner, uh, connection there too. But, um, you know, uh, there are, there are horror stories um, you know, you, you can make a story about a doll and at the end of the day, like, I don't think people are really scared of cabbage patch dolls. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can make a horror thing about that and you go, Oh, you know, it's a horror thing, whatever. But when you make a story, I just, um, uh, I just watched a horror movie about people going into caves and like going into the tight places in the caves and stuff like that. And I'm like, that's already something that's going to make you squirm. And then when you make that into horror, it's like you've already started with something that is making people uncomfortable. Yeah. A lot of people don't like flying. I don't love flying, you know? So you're already starting with something that's making you like, oh, uh, you know, and then you just think now there's this thing that's going to sabotage the flight, you know? And of course you sound like a maniac because you're the only one that's seeing it, you know? So, um, that was one that struck with me for a long, long time. It's the and first I know, one I, I showed it... my kid, by the way. Was uh, it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Because that's the easiest one I like to relate to for him. 
You know, guy yeah. in plane. What is that? Oh crap! And I, what makes mm-hmm. that episode great? There's many things. Once again, Shatner, who's perpetually uh, his acting prowess is always lampoon and stuff. But these people that do that are fools. This guy's a tremendous mm-hmm. actor. He was great in this, and uh, he made the episode. But the guy in the uh, the, the gremlin outfit. I mean, this is where the all-time wacky. Uh, uh, playing saboteurs. He's he looks like something out of uh, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. It's a big furry thing with a weird face. It's 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 chilling in a way, but in another way, it's it's just completely wacky. But it always amused me that this guy would be so furry, you know, or <laughs> and tubby too. He's a tubby, fat, furry gremlin, you know. Mm-hmm. But I love that. I think it's an excellent choice uh, in terms of that. It, it, do you remember how you felt the first time you saw that? Because that's one thing I like with Twilight. You can sort of go back. I mean, were, did you did, were you surprised at the way things went down? Were you often surprised in the Twilight Zone? Did you see it coming? Um, you know, they're all. I mean, I feel like um, definitely M Night Shyamalan had to have grown up on the Twilight Zone because every one of his movies feels like. When you get to the twist ending, I go, ah, it's like a Twilight Zone episode, you know? Um, So, you know, there was always, I mean, I I guess not not necessarily that that episode, but there were so, you know, uh, the Burgess Meredith one where, um, you know, he's the last man on earth and he's got all the books and then he breaks his glasses. Yes. It's it's (laughs) an all-time classic. Yeah. It's those types of things where you go, what's the twist going to be at the end? And then there's just a little something, and, and then you go, oh, no! <laughs> you know, uh, when it comes to scary Twilight Zones, I mean, there are plenty of good ones and good science fiction-y ones. Uh, I'm a big fan of the one that's called The New Exhibits, uh, where this guy works at a wax museum, and he has a, uh, the wax museum has been sold, and, uh, and so they're going out of business. So he begs and begs to take his, his favorite exhibits home and there happen to be the murderers exhibits and he's got Jack the Ripper and some other guys in there uh, and they actually put guys in wax I mean it, it's quite chilling and uh, oh. these guys slowly as, the, as this episode develops they slowly come to life and start killing the people that come to this house or do they because it's got an open ending where you're not sure that the new exhibits are killing the people, or maybe the guy's nuts and he's killing them. Uh, it's a it's a one that's oft overlooked uh, amongst the many many great Twilight Zones, but it's real real sinister and and wacky and good. I always like that one. Uh, I made a little list if you'll indulge me because that this yeah, please. Uh, Twilight Zone. I was a member of the Twilight Zone tape of the month club. You're right, what you said uh, when you talk about not being able to get these things, like the idea of owning all the Twilight Zone, like was a miracle. Like I can own them, and I just goes, but in in some ways, I think owning them, actually, and or owning any of these in full, it sort of robs the magic of these to a certain degree, because yeah. when you one of the magical things about them is, is that you're at home. It's midnight. You're sitting there. You're bored. You flip through the channels. Bam! Oh, here's a Twilight Zone. Which one's this? Oh, it's that one. And sometimes it's like, like you, you lose a little bit of control, and that makes it a little yeah. bit uh, not scarier, but yeah, it's just you're starting off right off the thing where this is what you've got to watch. And you can pick and choose the ones you want to watch, and so there may be some, you're like, eh, I'm not going to watch that one. 
And, you know, but I mean, part of it, to, to me, part of the magic was catching them. But I didn't care at the time. I wanted to be the Twilight Zone tape of the month club. So every month I'd get a tape, a videotape, and me and the Chud, because the Chud was living with me at the time. We'd sit down and watch these things. And it was always one of the things I look forward to. It's, I, it's a sad life, but it was. Uh, and it, by the time the tape of the month club ended, I had pirated all the Twilight Zones on my hard drive. And so I no longer needed the tapes. I ended up giving the tapes away after buying all those tapes. But I had the entire run of the t- tape of the month club. So, but I was really into it. But anyway, if you just I'm going to knock off a couple here. Of course, we mentioned Living Doll earlier, which is a good mm-hmm. episode. <coughs> Excuse me. Another great one uh, was Little Girl Lost, uh, which was these guys actually uh, had a lawsuit against the, the poltergeist, uh, believe it or not, because of. Uh, uh, infringing on the story of Little Girl Lost, where a girl uh, falls out of her bed and accidentally rolls into another dimension. Have you seen this one? Where they, they have to bring in? Yes, the, yes, yeah, yeah. Great episode. Uh, a real strong episode, and it was real creepy. I thought uh, another one I thought was really good uh, was uh, the dummy. We sort of touched on that one before with the ventriloquist dummy that sort of t- tells this guy what to do, uh, which mm-hmm. was a neat one. Uh, and uh, another one I thought was real interesting uh, was there was one called Night Call, which was a real I thought was a real creepy one where this person mm. that where the uh, uh, this person was calling this lady and it was a were, the call was like coming from a graveyard or whatever the lines had broken at the end you find out that there was a lot in the grave or whatever creepy oh and speaking of phones another one I want to touch on. Uh, and this was double creepy, was uh, an episode where, I can't remember the name of it, but I think it had uh, Bill Moomy in it uh, from Lost in Space. He was in several of these good ones. And he was getting phone calls from his dead grandmother on his toy phone. And he was telling yeah. her how much he missed her. And ultimately, apparently the dead grandmother said, listen, you can come join me. Go drown yourself in the fountain out front. And he does. Yeah. He tries to. Yeah. I thought to myself, holy smokes, that would never fly. How they got that no, on TV that in the dark. 60s is, is, is amazing to me. Uh, we could talk all night just about the Twilight Zone. It's a great a great show. It's funny. Uh, I heard from our good buddy Graham, who actually mentioned a couple uh, Twilight Zones, uh, including The Obsolete Man, which is a, a tremendously another uh, Burgess Meredith episode, which is so good, and one called Shadow Play, which is also really good. Both great episodes. He also mentioned... Nightmare at twenty thousand feet, which was also in my list, by the way. So, those are uh, those are. Well, all Graham spends a lot ones. of time on airplanes, so that'll give him something to oh. think about when he's looking out the window. <laughs> you know, get a good point time. there. Listen, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and finish up. Uh, you are watching uh, Conversation with the Dark Side. We'll be back in two shakes. You are experiencing conversations from the dark side. When you go to the haunted house at Camden Park, you don't know what will happen. Camden Park!
you are experiencing. Conversations from the Dark Side. All right, we're back for our final segment here of the evening. Conversations with the Dark Side. I've had a real good time talking classic TV horror uh, with you, Flack. Uh, and we want to, you know, we almost, we sort of led the show with this, but we want to touch back on it, which is uh, made-for-TV movie horror. Uh, you have a real winner there that you had on your list. Tell us about that one. Well, uh, this was a made-for-TV. A lot of people don't know it was a made-for-TV movie. I think now it's it's pretty uh, infamous or whatever, but this was 1971's Duel, which is uh, probably more famous because it was directed by Steven Spielberg, but it was uh, an ABC movie of the week. And if you've never seen Duel, I think the way people explain it is they say basically it's Jaws except for with a car. <laughs> it's the easiest way to explain it. Uh, it is a long uh, movie. There's not a lot of, you know, when, when uh, I, I learned when I was doing my my writing program, they said you got to always have two people in a scene because it's real hard to have one person uh, because they don't have anybody to talk to or they have to constantly talk to themselves. And this movie is a, a guy in his car by himself for the majority of the movie, um, but he he's it starts off and he's on this uh this road and he passes a semi and then the semi you know passes him back and he kind of gets into a road rage kind of thing and and then the the semi is uh, tailgating him and then you know but he can't ever see the guy in the truck he could just see the truck and really uh, if i were to say the truck is is the shark from jaws you know you would get the idea but it's an entire movie that's what this movie is there's no you know, overarching uh, plot. There's no, uh, you know, he doesn't get in a fight with the the driver or whatever. I mean, this is it. It's just this guy that won't leave him alone. At one point, he pulls off to a diner. He takes a little break. Um, and then uh, when he looks out in the window, the truck's out there waiting for him. The guy, the guy just pulled up and he's waiting at the diner. And when he leaves, the truck pulls in behind him again. And it just keeps escalating. I love that scene because... He's in the diner, and all the people were in the diner. And so you yeah. know that one of these people is the guy driving that evil truck. But they don't, it's none of them great... look like inherently evil. They just look like a bunch of truckers right. and like bar goofs. You know, listen, yeah. my dad, my dad said, listen, you got to sit down and watch this movie, uh, Little Aaron. And I was like, okay, Pops. And dad had good taste. And man, this thing right here, I, that truck creeped me out, brother. It's all rusty and old. It's got that horn that makes that god-awful noise, and it that truck is evil. And you're right. The whole movie is this guy's, like, inner dialogue and stuff, but that also makes it scary because you know what this guy's thinking. He's not, like, he's not just up for a Sunday roll. He's like, I'm going to get killed. This guy's going to kill me. Yeah. You know? And the, uh, the scene you're showing there uh, on the stream is uh, he gets stuck at a, a railroad crossing. So now he can't he can't keep going, and you know that truck's a coming, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's really a, a masterpiece of 
slow burning tension, you know, and it's definitely a movie or a film of its time. Yeah. Because I don't think I don't, you know, if you put this out in 2020, people would be like, well, get to the point. Let's go. Let's go. You know, like, yeah. where's the explosions? Where's this? But it's not that it's an hour long. I think the original was an hour long. And then um, they, they went back and they added some footage. They reshot some stuff and they added stuff to make it long enough to, to release it in theaters. Yeah. But the original one, the one hour one, uh, is uh, you know was made for TV. I mean, it was it was shown on TV, but it's just that slow escalation. And man, you know when you've driven as many miles as I have, and you've been involved in as many road rage incidents as I have, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's real easy to see somebody that's following you, or and then you're like, is this guy? Is he following? Like you, you know, I, I mean, have you ever done the thing? I've done this where. You know, you feel like somebody's behind you and, and you'll like, you'll turn on your blinker and then they immediately turn on their blinker and then you go, are they falling? And then you do start doing weird stuff. Like you'll, I've turned on my blinker at a four-way stop and then gone straight you know, to see if, if they're going to go straight or if they're going to turn. work? They just are, they're so eyeballing <laughs> that blinker so hard that they just turn anyway. I love to see that work. Well, my idea is that when I, I put on the left blinker and then they put on their left blinker, and then if I go straight, if they were to go straight. Oh, then you know. Uh, right. But you, you know what always happens? You think a killer wouldn't even bother putting in their blinker at all. You know what happens? What? They always turn left, and I go, okay, that guy wasn't following. <laughs> <laughs> you know, listen, this is a tremendous pick. I'm gonna, I, I want to dwell on it a bit more, if we may, because this movie does something that you you couldn't make this today, not not based in today's world. Because mm -hmm. with with smart car, I've got a car that's got a console, and I can watch videos, and it's got GPS. It's got everything. It's a supercar, right? I'll go to work with. This car he's driving is your classic, like, 70s, boxy, hunk of crap car. They're in the desert. There's a feeling of isolation in this that you can't have anymore. A lot of old movies are like this because there's no one around. The roads are, there's no interstate. There's no nothing. You're on a crappy road with a crappy car that's overheating. It's already trying to kill you. You can't call the cops. A bunch of times this guy pulls up to a pay phone to do some business like, that's the way you had to do it back in those days. But the feeling of isolation and being on your own and being out in the middle of nowhere, they really nail it here. Like, this ain't nobody coming to help this guy. The cops ain't coming. He's on his own. And he's got to outmaneuver this guy in this killer truck. And the acting's mm -hmm. great. It's just a great, great, great film. I, I love this one. I was so happy to see you uh, put it on your list of flack because it's such a good movie. In fact, I, I think know, I may like it better than Jaws. I hate to say that, but I mean, I love both. But Jaws has its moments. Don't get me wrong, but that's a great movie. Sure, sure. Um, you know, one of the things that, that you mentioned is that there's a lot of stuff like, um, you know, my my wife asked me one time, we were watching um, Stranger Things, right? Yeah. And she was like, I, she said, it's so interesting that they put it in the 80s. And I said, that's because in the 80s, we were all kind of isolated. We weren't yeah. all connected with the internet. We weren't all connected with our phones or whatever. So, I mean, when you were in the eighties uh, and you went out in the woods and you got lost, it's like a coin flip. You might not come back 50, yeah. 50 every day. I thought there's a coin toss. You might get killed, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's that thing where, where you're right today. If you make this movie, um, it's like every horror movie, 
has to come up with an excuse of why people's cell phones aren't working. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. the phone's dead. or the, You have to deal with that because these plots don't work in today's movie. But back then, I mean, you're just a guy. You're on a back road. You're in the middle of nowhere. Um, you don't have GPS telling you where to go. I mean, he's got a paper map, you know, but he can't yeah. do all this stuff with the guy behind him. But it's just you and your car and this guy that's behind you that won't leave you alone. And what are you going to do? you got to have to, you know, I think that's why, like, now we're all, like, men, like, what's the plural of man-child? Man-children, you know? Because, <laughs> like, I mean, I'm 50 years old. If my car didn't start, I'm going to call my dad and be like, I don't know what to do, you know? But back then, like, it was you on the road. You yeah. had to know how to change a tire. You had to know how to deal with a crazy trucker guy. It you was know? more it was of an adventure, uh, for real. Like, and it, there were stakes, it, which I think I think that's great. It's a great Stakes, that's a good way to put it, yeah. You know, I, I, I put forth the question of the, or the topic as what we're going to be talking about tonight in our Discord. By the way, if you are among the people listening, uh, head on over to Amigos Richard Gaming. Please join up on our Discord. It's El Chipo Grande. You get a lot of good action. And one of the things we have in there is a conversation in the dark side area. And I asked people, what were, what were they into in terms of made-for-TV movies? <clears throat> I have uh, a response here from our good buddy Jazz Dog. He's got a couple suggestions here, Flack. I wanted to run these past and see if you ever seen any of these. He says he has two made-for-TV movies. The first aired on the BBC in 72, and it's called The Stone Tape. Uh, if you like and are familiar with the old episodes of Doctor Who, it will feel right at home. A company is trying to develop a new recording medium, and as things work out, they end up trying to use it to detect a spirit in a rundown Victorian mansion. That's never a good idea. A uh, quite early example of combining scientific inquiry with ghost hunting, which all uh, the current ghost TV shows play at. It was also one of the first movies to deal with the idea of a residual haunt. Mix all that with some good creepies, and I rank this up there high on the made-for-TV movie horrors. Again, that one's the uh, stone tape. Might be worth looking into. He's got a second suggestion here uh, from the USA. And I do vaguely recall this one. I bet you remember it, Flack. A 1981 CBS offering uh, titled Dark Night of the Scarecrow. Uh, as this is made for TV, the movie does not have a lot of on-screen violence or blood. Instead, they have to build the tension and fear with atmosphere. Even without all the blood and gore, they do a great job with making some creepy, tense, terrifying scenes. The movie usually ranks higher then I would rank it myself. A lot of people seem to love this movie a lot, perhaps because it is still scary, but does not contain all of the gore. Again, that one's Dark Night of the Scarecrow. Those are both available uh, to watch on YouTube, I believe. I'll throw one. Yeah, that... I'll throw one in real quick. Have you seen either one of those, by the way? I have seen the Scarecrow oh, one. Okay. It's um, yeah, it was um, uh, it was like a guy who was um uh like mentally challenged and they uh either are, they arrested him or something or i don't remember if they arrested him or if they they killed him or whatever for the but it turns out he was he was innocent you know and then all these other things start happening to the town like other people start you know getting killed and all this stuff so yeah it, it wasn't um uh scary in the sense of uh, like it, it, it was scary. It wasn't gory, right. you know. It wasn't. There was not a lot of on, on uh, screen kind of stuff. But yeah, you know, I mean, this early '80s stuff. Uh, I mean, that hits us in the age where even if it doesn't, 
uh, seems scary on the screen. Uh, you know, the ideas and stuff uh, were, were things that were scary. So, yeah, I definitely remember watching this one. You know, he brought up, uh, and we should probably touch on this because we have, and, um, and this is another one that's really uh, one that could have made any list, is uh, he brought up the idea of mixing science in there with uh, your ghost hunting. And that would take me to a show called The X-Files, which I was obsessed with uh, when I just moved to Kentucky. I was working at Lexmark. I would come home every Friday night, and I would sit down and watch The X-Files with my buddy. And it was a mixed bag. The early seasons I thought were good, but it's a show I think that got too mixed up in its own godforsaken uh, plot. And not and didn't concentrate enough on the end. I like the individual episodes way more than I like the uh, continuing plot. Uh, but yeah, they had some great episodes, including one, the cannibalistic family of hillbillies was a great one. I liked also the ones with like the guy's name was Tombs, the guy that could squeeze himself into all those little nooks and crannies. That was a real super creepy episode. Uh, did you did was that a show you used to watch back in the day? The one X Files, Black. You know, I I didn't watch it when it was um, like the original airing. I don't think because I I didn't follow the story in order like Mulder's story and stuff. Yeah. So I think I probably saw it like in rerun. So they were all out of order. So it was tough to follow that bigger. I mean, all you need to know. I mean, I don't think that they needed to solve all that stuff. Like, was Mulder really abducted or right. you know what? Like, all they got to do is set up the thing that. That she's factual and scientific. He believes in the paranormal. And they could have left it at that. That could have played back and forth in all the episodes. I will tell you, one of the first ones I saw, everybody was like, you got to watch this X-Files show, man. It's about, you know, paranormal. It's about conspiracy theories. It's about all this. And I was like, okay, okay, you know. And I think the very first one I watched was the guy, and he had a... Um, uh, uh, like a the the twin that had oh, yeah. grown out of him, and then it would like it would like pop up. It could get out, pop up, yeah. and it would take, go kill stuff, and then it would come back and reattach or whatever. I, I was like, that. "What yeah. is this show? What is this? What is going on here?" But uh, it was hit and miss too. Uh, I mean, if you had the episodes that were real plot heavy, you know, there was, yeah. uh, you know, I'm a listen. I'm old school. I'm a big fan of Charles Nelson Riley. Okay, and he was on. An episode, okay, okay. Uh, he was on like an episode where he was a writer, uh, and it, and it was so funny. It was what well, it was a comedy episode, and not only did it feature him, but it had Jesse Ventura. It had uh, um, who's what's the guy uh, the guy that used to host Jeffrey that passed away recently? Uh, oh, Alex Trebek. Alex Trebek. Yeah, he was in it. It had a wacky cast. It was funny because they realized that the concept of Xbox was goofy, and they used they used the how stupid it was to make this show. A fun show. And so they would occasionally do a nice comedy episode, which I enjoyed. You know, and it's okay to mix a little bit of comedy in there with your horror. Uh, not too mm -hmm. much, but a little bit. Um, which leads into the, uh, one of the last TV movies I want to mention. Uh, I, I found this after digging, and then someone found an even better copy, which is a show that debuted on the USA Network. I believe it was in 1988 or 19. Now it's called Nightlife, about a, uh, a vampire. Uh, who uh, a guy who a vampire who stumbles into a fellow who's a doctor who tries to cure her, her of her vampirism by giving her blood and trying to figure out what's wrong with her. In the meantime, her very angry vampire boyfriend is repeatedly accosting this guy. It's pretty funny. <laughs> it's, it's it's pretty obscure, but it's out there. It's been shared uh, in our Discord. If you're interested, in fact, all the movies I just mentioned have been shared in the Discord. If you want to take a chance and give them a watch. Uh, it might be good uh, for a laugh or two. Um, 
boat or a boat. I did it again, Flag. Sorry, force of habit. <laughs> That's all right. That's is all there? Right. Can you think? Was is there anything on your list we didn't touch on that you want to jump in here with at the end of the show? Well, uh, not on my list, but the one that you had waiting on your list was a show that I did also watch. And that was a show that was confusing to me because I I waited and I waited and Jason never showed up for this show. Yeah. Uh, but it was Friday the 13th, uh, which was, of course, really unrelated, uh, you know, to the movies. Uh, Friday the 13th was like right off the bat. It's, you know, when you go into a show and you're confused a little bit, that's it's a little bit of a stumbling block. But once you got over that, uh, I love... You know, some of the anthology shows like Twilight Zone, um, you know, Tales from the Dark Side, most of the ones we've talked about are completely random. Uh, you know, every episode is it has nothing to do with the previous episode, you know. Uh, so in, in that sense, the Friday the 13th show was a little bit more like um, X-Files in a way where you have the same people. And it's the object that changed. So they were always, I mean, that was the setup, right? That they had the antique store or whatever, and they would have yeah. the, the object and then they would investigate, um, uh, you know, the object or whatever. So uh, I know you listed some episodes. I, I had one that's uh, not on your list, one that I really remember. And uh, I looked up the title just now and it was called The Butcher. Uh -huh. um, so I don't know if you remember that one, but it was uh, uh, this guy who had, um, he'd found an amulet and he was like uh, reviving uh, like the, the scientists and stuff like from the Nazis, from the, the concentration camp to go back and, and kill all these people or whatever. I mean, it, it was a show that was kind of crazy. I mean, there was, there was a lot of, it went off the rails uh, a lot, but it was a good show. This this is a show. In case you've never seen Friday Thirteenth the series, uh, they again. This he's right. It had nothing to do with the movie, and the the name. This wasn't even the name uh, of the show originally, uh, but the some through some weird happenstance they nabbed the name. I don't know why. It's I read it a long time ago. It was weird, but uh, it followed. If the whole premise of it is, if you watch the opening, Louis Vondredi made a deal with the devil, and it cost him his life. And what he did was he made a deal with the devil. Uh, and the devil cursed all the antiques in his store, and he sold them for big, big money, big prizes. And eventually, the devil caught it in, caught in the tab. And so, his inherited his his nephews and niece inherited the shop. And they brought in uh, one of his old buddies, Jack Marshak. Jack's an older guy who is also like the every man. I mean, he does. Uh, uh, he's a jack of all trades. He knows about magic. He knows how to escape locks. He knows how to summon demons. He knows every... He, and he's great. He's the best character on here in terms of the character. The best-looking character on here. Another reason I watch is star the beautiful, vivacious Roby, uh, which I loved Roby. Beautiful, red-headed model that was on the show. And then it, she played Mickey, and then Ryan was her cousin. Ryan was good, too. Eventually, the show... Ryan left the show, I believe it was the end of the second season, and was replaced by a guy I didn't like. And then that was when the show, I was pretty much done at that point. Yeah. But it was, it, in some ways, it was the, in some ways, this was the wacky uh, antique of the week show. But occasionally, they would change up the, the routine. The, my favorite shows involved them dealing with Louis Vondredi, their uncle, who kept trying to come back to life. 
or tried to bring devil. <laughs> Some episodes he's tried to come back to life, and sometimes he's tried to bring the devil back to earth and open a gate to hell. You know, you know how uncles are. Uh, and so, uh, on that, on, along those lines, I've got a, I've got a couple here listed out in case you're trying to follow along. So, <clears throat> the uh, the ones where he comes back to life are Halloween and Doorway to Hell. Those are probably my two favorite ones. The pilot's good too. The Inheritance. It has a. It features a haunted. Uh, um, uh, basically, you know those things you throw sticks and weeds in, like a weed, like a what do they call this? Like a shredder. It's one of these things that you put people in it, and it spits out their equivalent of cash out the other side, which I thought that was great. And as they <laughs> as a one final insult, the guy who was using it gets tossed in and doesn't spit out anything but guts. He's not worth any money, which I like that. I thought uh, it was good. Uh, and there was another great episode. Uh, called the Scarecrow, which is a real chilling one that I always thought was super duper scary. Uh, this show was, I'd say, was pretty well acted. It had a rep for being violent, and it's because thank you, Thresher, thank you, Power Sink. That's exactly what I was looking for there. Uh, but uh, uh, th this show was canceled. This show was one of the highest. This there, you had Star Trek Next Generation syndicated number one, number two, this for uh, for a couple years. And this show was doing great when it was canceled, but it was canceled because uh, they thought it was too violent. It was another round, just the same thing to get Wild was. Wild West canceled. And other shows, it was too violent for TV, and they canceled it. Uh, and if you think about it, there was a wave of shows around this era. Uh, we didn't talk about it, but you, you had stuff like Tales from the Crypt, which is on paid TV. You can get away with a little bit more. But you also had stuff like Freddy's Nightmares that was on. You know, So there mm -hmm. were other shows that were sort of... Uh, Messing around with like getting more violence on regular TV, but this one, just to put it in perspective, this is the one that they picked on. I guess probably because of the popularity, and it ended up getting shown the door. Uh, so there, there there's you go. a uh, episode that's not on your list. It's one that I remember called Thirteen O'clock. Do you remember that one with I the clock don't. that could stop time? It was a. It was a. They found this stopwatch that could. Uh, it went to thirteen o'clock. Right. Yeah. And so whoever owned the stopwatch uh, from from midnight until 13 o'clock, time stopped for everybody else, but you had an extra hour, okay? I could use that. Um, right, but there's a catch. The catch is anything that you did during that hour, the only way that you could get it to stick was you had to kill somebody also during that hour. You had to sacrifice somebody. That seems like and a so, good deal to me. Because everyone I mean, is, or are people like stuck and like they can't move, you know? Yeah, time's frozen, right? So it's kind of two birds with one stone. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you just think kill about people like but, that are on death row, for example, and you'd be—it's okay, you can right. live with that. Well, what happens is, is this guy's wife finds out about the watch, so then uh, she takes it from him, and then when it's frozen, she <laughs> kills her. I mean, she kills him. She kills the guy, uh, and then there's a kid involved. And, but you know, uh, to your point. If this were a Twilight Zone episode, there might be a watch that stopped time, but something else had to happen. But you wouldn't be murdering everybody, but this show was like, nope, let's just start killing people. So you're yeah. right. It was, it did escalate things a little bit. And sometimes they would not be successful. In fact, that happened more than a couple uh, times. They, The guy would get away. They'd lose the object. There's an episode where they get locked in the vault. They have a vault where they store all this stuff. And the stuff goes nuts, you know. They're, they're, uh, by the way, another show with a creepy doll. This one 
This one also had a creepy killer doll. So, oh, you know, did it? I don't remember that. Oh, one. yeah. So, uh, uh, it was early on too. So, this is one. If you haven't checked it out, by the way, every single episode, as far as I can tell, is available on uh, YouTube uh, for you mm-hmm. to watch, and they're a good, they're real good quality. It's funny. I'm going through a. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm running through a, a case, if you hear me do radio shows on here, I'm running through a Canadian uh, set of shows. I believe it's called Nightfall. And uh, one of the episodes actually featured the actor that played Jack Marshak in it. So he was he did oh. some, a little audio work, too. Of course, this, this show was filmed entirely in Canada. So uh, that might be part of it, since it was a Canadian show. Um, well, Flack, I think we ran through some good ones. I hope we gave some people some good ideas. I noticed in the chat... We had a few comments. Uh, our good buddy Dave Z mentions uh, the TV, the Stephen T- King TV miniseries, uh, the, the original Salem's Lot, uh, the original It, uh, the it, Stand. Yeah. I, I will say, I, I didn't was I didn't think was was uh, was Salem's Lot a TV show. It was absolutely Not really. And let me tell you, you want to talk about the scariest. By the way, yeah, I thought that yep. was so. Was that because I saw it? It was always on HBO. Was that where was that released? That was it a made for HBO show or? I don't. I thought it was just on regular TV. Man, uh, when, when those vampire kids are scratching at that window, I could never oh. sleep near my window. <laughs> and I, it was on. Yeah. You know, you know those when you're real young. Okay, I was at my grandma's house, and it was just on because she had HBO, and I hadn't touched the TV. And I saw that scene, and it affected me like full life. Like, I never got over it. You know, I've never seen that whole movie. I couldn't sit through it, man. I'd be, I'd, too much for me. But uh, those are some good suggestions. I have seen The Stand. Uh, I saw mm-hmm. It. I saw The Langoliers. I believe those are all made for TV or direct-to-video. Stephen King's been hit or miss, wouldn't you say, in terms of his offerings? Uh, you know, the problem with Stephen King for a long time, and I, I've said this, is that a lot of the things that he writes are scary on paper or in your mind, but they don't translate well to movies. And uh, I remember watching, I went to the movies and saw Maximum Overdrive. I want to say that was 85. I, I was pretty young. Yeah. Yeah. But if you read the, the book, I mean, it's terrifying. They go into the kitchen and then, like, here's the thing. If you read a book that a toaster attacks you, yeah. I mean, you could write that in a scary way. But when you see it on TV or on the screen, it looks dumb. Yeah. Like when somebody's shaking a toaster and they throw it at you, you go, ah, you know, it's just not, um, you know, uh, I mean, I think Cujo worked okay. But Christine's another great example where the idea of a haunted car that would do all these things, you know, and then the guy owns the car like that's. When you read it, it was a great story, but then when you saw it, it was like, this just seems kind of dumb. I felt you know? the same so way that's, about Pet Cemetery. I, 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 that book yeah. scared the hell out of me when I read it. And then when you see it, you're like, eh, you know. Of course, they botched that, mm-hmm. too. There you go. Good yeah. good, yeah. good, uh, good uh, ones right there, Dave Z. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Uh, listen, everybody, we're going to take this thing to the hizzy. Thank you so much. Hopefully for... not the haunted hizzy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> thanks for sticking around, uh, everybody. We had a good crowd in here, Flack. Uh, thank you for sitting through some of the, the tiny little technical things we had there at the beginning. Everything evened out quite nicely. Uh, I'll be back next week. Uh, 
with something. It may or may not have Flack back here, but Flack's going to be back for <laughs> He'll be back again, brother. Uh, before the season's over, we're going to take this topic and move it towards the cinema. So that's one to start thinking about if you want to send in some of your favorite horror films. We'd love to hear them. Or if you think we missed some obvious stuff, and I'm sure we glossed over some obvious, obvious stuff tonight. But you can only fit so much in a two-hour span. But we'd love to hear sure. from you. Uh, the phone number that's been dancing across the screen at the bottom, that goes directly to our voicemail. You can call that 24-7 year-round. You can text it as well, 304 304- 397. I didn't catch the end of it there. I'll have to wait till it comes back. You can also email <laughs> us at thedarkside at email.com. Hey, email questions, comments, other things you think of. Here's that number 304 397 0810. 24 7. You'll never talk to a human on there, but you can text or leave a couple minutes message if you've got something. We'll put it on the show. Uh, so I guess I'll do it then. Everyone have a nice, uh, creepified week. And for myself, my good buddy, Rob Fleck O'Hara, we will catch you guys on the flip side. Until next time, adios. You have just experienced conversations from the dark side. Until next week. Try to enjoy the daylight.